Welcome back, everybody, to Big Mama Hex Podcast. Today is a very exciting day for me. I am sitting down virtually with Gail Kessler from Lady Fingers Sewing Studio, which is an absolute treasure here in the Ole Valley and a staple for many of us that are local um, for years and years and years. So I am extremely excited to talk to Gail. Um, she inspired a lot of the research and work that I do um, as far as looking into Pennsylvania Dutch design and patterns. So it is such a pleasure to have you, Gail, and welcome. Well, thank you for having me. This is a real treat. It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> so a little bit about how I came to Lady Fingers is my mom would come often when we uh, when we would visit my grandparents and she found a textile there that was very dutchy and then made me a tea towel many, many years later. And it all kind of turned into this big research um, rabbit hole, we'll say. <laughs> so so thank you for inspiring us um, in our family. We're all sewers and and my grand, grand, great-grandmother was a quilter. So um, mm-hmm. lots and lots of time spent at Lady Fingers. So um, to start off, Gail, can you just tell us about Lady Fingers and the sewing studio and when you started it and how long mm-hmm. it's been in business? And, and can you take us through that journey, please? Absolutely. Uh, Lady Fingers used to be called the Summer House Needleworks, which was started in 1975 in a summer kitchen of the home of Joan Meage, who lived on Water Street in Ole. She moved the shop, I don't know, somewhere in the early 80s, perhaps, maybe a little before that, to a storefront in, on Main Street in Ole. Uh, when I moved to Ole, I knew already knew about the summer house because I was an avid cross-stitcher and sewer. And back then, the summer house was mostly needlepoint, rug hooking, knitting, cross-stitch, and a teeny tiny little bit of fabric for quilters. So quilters quilting was just really um, on the upsurge at that point. So I would come in and um, Joan would wait on me. And when we moved here, I said, well, gee, I would like to teach quilt making. I had started to teach my girlfriends, hand applique and and patchwork and so forth. And she offered me a teaching position, which (laughs) really quickly turned into working in the shop, which turned into pretty much running the store. And within a year and a half, I purchased late, I I purchased the summer house. So we started um, a block of the month, which means that you purchase quilt kits to make a, a quilt subscription style. So you get a kit for a block of the project each and every month. And I turned that into a a substantial mail order business. So that's its own hour. (laughs) And I won't get into all that. Sure, (laughs) sure. We we grew and grew and grew. We outgrew the location we were at on Main Street. There was no parking. There was no room for classes Mm. and so forth. So the opportunity came up for us to purchase the building that we are in now, which is the former Greasemersville Hotel. We're on Ole Turnpike Road between 662 and Covered Bridge Road. It was great because I lived literally down the street on the corner. So the kids could come over after um, after school and I could pretty much walk to work. And it was just great. We had lots of room, big classroom, um, lots of retail space, and then storage space in the rest of the building. So we've been here ever since. Uh, and that happened, we moved here in, well, we moved to Ole in 1989. Uh, but uh, the store moved here, I think it was 94 or 95. So we've been here ever since. And of course, it turned into a large quilt shop, not so much the cross stitch that handcrafts go in and out of fashion. And oh, yeah. so right now, quilting is king. So that's where we focus yeah. our, our energies and our inventory. So Yeah. 
That's really cool. And I noticed um, on your website too, when I was doing a little research that you've designed, what was it? Um, 140 plus colors of dimples for Andover fabrics. And yeah. um, that's, that's incredible. That's really cool. I love designing um, textiles. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. At what point did you sort of get into that um, field, that part of it? Well, because my, my, my business was pretty successful uh, and my proximity to New York City, where may, many of the fabric manufacturers are, uh, I was asked to consult, and which turned into a marketing director position for a fabric company right around 1998. And I did that for a few years and came back home. And then another fabric company came calling, which was Andover Fabrics, and asked, they, they were... Um, reconstructing that their division and or fabrics from Concord Fabrics. So they asked me to come and help design the company. What should, what kind of fabrics should they create and how do they market themselves and so forth. So I did that for uh, 13 years. And, um, and during that time, as I would hire the fabric designers for the company, and then we, we were growing so quickly that they just said, well, Gail, you need to design fabric too and fill in the, <laughs> fill in the department <laughs> that we needed. And so it was just by the seat of my pants that I started yeah. to design fabrics. And I've designed thousands of fabrics over the years. Dimples is wow. just the one that's currently available. But um, I gotcha. 2000, probably 2001, 2002. Uh, and Dimples was one of the first fabrics that I designed. And it's still in print which is pretty unheard of. We're really happy about that. (laughs) That's so so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Your collection is just amazing. If you haven't been to Ladyfingers, it's an absolute must if you're local or if if you're not, it's worth a trip. (laughs) It's such, it's such an incredible collection and such a great atmosphere. Um, I know Liz, um, one of your former salespeople was such a wonderful help to me and really took so much time and made it very personable and helped me find things that I was looking for. When I came into your shop, I was looking for these old um, Pennsylvania Dutch designs that were more targeted towards uh, the trends and not necessarily for Pennsylvania Dutch people. But she was able to explain to me what the actual patterns were that Pennsylvania Dutch people would use in their quilts and what was really traditional for them to use, not necessarily what showed quote unquote, like Pennsylvania Dutch life, you know, right, because there's right. a big difference. So I really, <laughs> I really appreciated that and appreciated your, your very large collection of these different prints. And um, it was like, my brain exploded. There were so many <laughs> options. It was very, very cool. And at the time there was an, a cool on display. And I don't remember, I think she said the person was from Lancaster and it was just, it was so beautiful. So you also have a lot of sample quilts hanging up mm-hmm. in the shop as well. Yes. That's, that's really, really wonderful. And you can take classes. Yeah. And I remember also my mom got, um, there was a set of Oli blocks. Maybe it was the, for the subscription service that were different places in Oli. That was yeah. really, really neat to we see. We still as well. have yeah. that pattern. Yeah. We still have that pattern. It's called Oli houses and people yes. from all over the world have collected and purchased the kits and the patterns to make actual buildings from the Oli Valley, everything from Ruppert's Candy, the old Ruppert's Candy store on Manitowney Road to um, the Yellow House to uh, all different locations. So um, we had a designer, Nan Tischler, who I hired to design those motifs. And um, so I have the rights to them. I can I can keep reprinting the patterns and somebody needs to twist my arm. <laughs> <laughs> More kids again, because that was great fun to do. But it, I always, oh, yeah. it, 
cracked me up that people from New Zealand would be buying Oli houses. It just, I just thought that was fascinating. So um, yeah, that's about that one again. So we, we might have to um, revisit that particular design. I had another designer yeah. who I hired as an exclusive uh, pattern designer for Lady Fingers who would do riffs on all kinds of Pennsylvania Dutch ish <laughs> motifs and probably That's our awesome. flagship quilt called Celestial Dream was extremely popular. And that has the tulips and the birds and all kinds of things that I think would ring your bell. Um, but there yes. was a big spot <laughs> in the middle. And then my old house, uh, which was the um, Nicholas Hunter house was along the bottom and it has oh, an wow. old feel to it. And she also did a pattern called Oli Tulips. We did another pattern called Fractor. Uh, we said so we did a lot of things that were somewhat Dutchified, which we we were That's really so proud cool. of because it was very specific to this area. Um, the fabrics, as far as being Pennsylvania Dutch fabrics, I think it's more like fabrics that were available to the people in this area, mm -hmm. and, you know, what they could buy at their local general yeah. store. And so the double blues, the double pinks, that green, you know, the certain colors were what they could buy and what they used. Yeah. And I think that's really what that's all about. Plus the scraps yeah. from garments and so forth in the old days. And then feed sacks were very popular. I was going to say. Everywhere. Yeah because you could. <laughs> and um, I, my, my goodness, the quilts I slept under as a child were made of feed sacks. My grandmother was the quilter in the family. And that's where I got started in, in all of this oh, craziness. Okay. So I so wanted I just to gonna ask you, yes. I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, just oh, outside okay. of the city limits in a tiny little house. And um, I loved going up to my grandparents' farm in Schuylkill County. So they were in mm -hmm. Schuylkill County. And um, I, I just wanted to live there. I just thought it was the greatest thing to have a big stone barn and a farm and cherry trees and an outdoor bake oven and chickens and all the things. I just reveled in that. I, and I also wanted to be uh, June Lockhart on Lassie. That's who I wanted to be. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I, I wanted to do that. So I tried to quilt. And when I stayed at my grandparent, I would stay there for two weeks in the summer, usually as a, a young child. And I would watch the ladies around the quilting frame, hand quilting these quilts. They all spoke Pennsylvania Dutch. So I didn't understand the dirty jokes or anything, <laughs> but I would stand there and watch them and study how they were doing the hand quilting stitch. And I could hand embroider by then. So I thought, well, I can do this. So I would beg and beg and beg. And my, my grandma, I called her Mammy. Mammy, she said, no, you're too little or you're just going to mess it up when we want to sell this quote you can't do it and every day I would try again so finally I could hear the ladies laughing at each other and my my grandmother Memmy says to me well now you think you can quilt this well you sit down here I'm going to give you the thread and the needle and we'll see what you can do but you better not mess it up because this quilt is for sale so I sat down and I had the needle, they gave me the needle and the thread and I had my hand underneath the whole bit. And I did the rocking stitch. Well, of course they did not give me a thimble. Mm. So I got a drop of blood on the white background and I virtually got spanked and they sent me to the back room for the rest of the day. And that's how yeah. I learned to quilt. So I really, really wanted to do this. So the minute I could, well, I was pregnant with my first child and that's when I, I made my first quilt and I've been going at oh, it. Oh, that's ever so since. cool. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a neat story. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I, 
I worked on my first quilt actually when we moved here. Um, it was an old quilt that my great aunt, my mom's great aunt had made and it just wasn't finished. So I worked with the ladies at Salem UCC, Mm -hmm. um, which is very funny because my great grandmother, Verna Fisher was part of that quilting circle and quilting. So it was neat to go over there and be with the the ladies, but it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world. It's, it's a little tricky to get the hand stitching down. Um, I know they they wanted me to work on it because it was like my quilt, but I know they were not going to ask me back for any other work (laughs) because it was hard to do that really tight stitch, you know? But yeah, that was a really neat experience, but um, I just love sewing so much and hand sewing and um, quilts are just, they're amazing. So beautiful. Um, What brought you to the Oli Valley? What, what drew you in here? Cause I'm just a huge Oli Valley fan. So (laughs) I love to hear people's stories. Well, okay. This is a good one too. So uh, when I was 18 years old, I was in a car with my friends, um, and one of the friends came from Oli, and we came out for the weekend to visit his family. So we just, I just sort of came along for the ride with my best friend, my girlfriend. So we were out here, and driving through the valley, I thought to myself, wow, this looks an awful lot like where my grandparents are from. It's a big valley. It's beautiful. It's wide open farmland, rolling hills, and so forth. And I just remembered the name Oli. I didn't know where we were. For all I knew, we were out near Pittsburgh or something. What did I know? (laughs) But I remember the name Oli and I remembered how beautiful it was. And that would be the kind of place I would want to raise my children. So that got filed away for many years until um, I was married and had kids. And we first lived in Jersey. Then we moved to Pennsylvania and right outside of of, uh, King of Prussia. And then we moved to Pottstown and I used to have the kids in the back seat to help them fall asleep for their nap. And I would just drive around. I saw a sign for Oli. I thought, Oli, I remember Oli. So I followed the sign and I got to Oli and I thought, wow, this place hasn't changed a bit. We need to move here. (laughs) So um, we started house hunting right away because I told my husband about the Oli Turnpike Dairy and they had, you know, milk in the glass bottles and the the whole bit. Mm -hmm. So he came out and he fell in love with the area as well. So we started house hunting and uh, we ended up at the Nicholas Hunter house. So I was so excited. I have my barn. I have my stone farmhouse. Life was good. And a family member passed away. So I was at the funeral in the basement eating the raisin pie. And I'm telling my uncle Elwood about the new house. We got got this really cool old farmhouse and da, 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 da. And he says, well, now, Kaylee, where is it? And I said, well, it's in in Berks County. It's this place called Ole. And he threw down his fork and he says, Ole. Well, don't you know? That's where we're from. I had no idea. So the Weist family is my mom's maiden name. So there's still Weists in the valley. And we were one of the 18 families that settled the valley back in 1720. Wow. I have relatives here. And so you could say I'm from here. (laughs) Yes, for sure. um, That's amazing. Yes. That's so so cool, Gail. What are the chances, right? So the other fun thing, <laughs> so the other fun thing was as we were moving into the house, since it's a historic home, everybody and their brother wants to, you know, get in and see the house. Sure. But I was trying to figure out how everybody knew I was a quilter and how everyone knew I was a weast. I didn't bake for like six months. People would come and visit and just want to know, well, you're well, at Salem. I went down to Salem Church to quilt. We, you know, eventually joined the church and so forth. Um, but I think the realtor must have had something to do with that. That I, I can't figure out how. I never really found out how they already knew I was a quilter. But um, wow. that's that's how I 
got to Oli. Oli Town. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Oli so much. I hope someday yeah. to, um, to get there, but it's, it's tricky. We're in Boyertown right now and we love Boyertown, You're especially close. with kids in school. Yeah. We're oh, close yeah. enough. I get in that car and I drive over there too, to get myself back to, um, center, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, so after that experience with your grandmother and, and her circle, um, did you continue to, I know you were saying that you did hand embroider, but did you continue to sew on your own and try and do any quilting in between? Well, not until I was pregnant because I, I worked a lot. I always had, sure. I worked a lot. So I really didn't yeah. have a lot of downtime for sewing. I did a little bit of everything, but I, in my heart of hearts, I really right. wanted to make quilts. That was, I was very driven yeah. to make quilts. So once uh, we moved to Pennsylvania, back to Pennsylvania from Jersey, then you, there were classes here and there, very sparse, but you could find a class mm-hmm. here and there. And so I started taking classes and um, I started working at the Lancaster Quilt Show when that first came out over 30 years ago. I would be a classroom angel so that I could afford to take the class and I would sure. learn from all the very best quilt artists in the world. So I was very, very fortunate that we had that show close to us. And then I became an instructor and then started to travel and teach all over. So one thing leads to another, but it is a very social network of even long before computers of women helping women, which is, and men, which was um, very instrumental in people. I was the young kid in the quilt guild and I'd had, you know, 150 moms (laughs) and they all were finding a new sewing machine or trying to find the right fabric for this or that. So I had, a lot of help. And I'm, I'm always grateful to those ladies who were um, helpful in me starting a career and believing in me when I did buy the shop. So it was great. Yeah, that's excellent. That's such a, that's such a great story. Um, so I know you spent some time in New York. I remember when, when mm-hmm. we talked, um, I know you had spent some time in New York, New York, New New York. York. Can you tell? (laughs) Can you tell us about that? (laughs) So uh, when I landed the position, (laughs) right? When I landed the position with um, the first fabric company, Bannertex, I was only I only needed to be there a couple days a week, usually for the Tuesday night meeting. So I didn't. I so I stayed in hotels when I went up to the city uh, because I had a, a small warehouse situation for that company here in Oli, which I ran. So I ran a studio uh, sample shipping warehouse. Uh, we did some fact, we did, we did a lot of work there right in, right in Oli next to Bella Italia. I used to own that, that complex there. Oh, okay. So, so the fabric company president, I, I was his landlord. <laughs> so we used to joke mm-hmm. about that. Um, then when I started with Andover, that started to be kind of sort of part-time, but that grew into a full-time position very rapidly. So I started staying in hotels at first, but then I got an apartment. So I had, first I lived in Tribeca for several years. Then I moved to Midtown, which was on 38th and 6th Avenue. So Bryant Park was my backyard. (laughs) And then my last apartment was on Roosevelt Island, which was fabulous because that's about as country as you can get if you're going to be in in Manhattan. Yeah. So that was, that was really terrific. So I was there from 2000 until 2013, late in 2013. Oh, wow. Back in Oregon ever since. So I'd go up Monday through Friday and then fight the traffic and get home late, late Friday night or sometimes early Saturday morning. But I would have to leave on Sunday afternoon 
to get back yeah. up to the city with the least amount of traffic. So it was a lot of commuting. And once you're in the city, it's fantastic. It's just right. getting in and out that, that can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tricky. My husband kind of did a similar um, thing. He grew up in um, Virginville and then he mm-hmm. left and did, and did, he spent some time in New York and then he came back and had a home uh, sort of outside of Kutztown but then would do a lot of work in New York. So I, I, I've heard the stories a lot, but it's interesting um, how people come back. I just, I love it here yeah. so much. I, I have a similar story where I was brought up in Bucks County, but this is where the family was from. So I discovered it later in life as well, you know, mm-hmm. probably in my mid twenties, how, how rich our history was here. And then you feel really anchored to the place um, when you develop that knowledge so it's really neat. And you're great with the accent. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Well, I grew up with it. Yes, <laughs> I love, I love hearing I that. Bit, so I can turn it on and off. It was it was very handy. That's amazing. And, you know, when I do, yeah. when I teach and do, I do lecturers and things like that. So, That's so fun. We have a good time with it. <laughs> yeah. I just enjoy hearing it so much because it reminds me so much of my grandmother. Um, and mm-hmm. she's passed now. So it's just nice mm-hmm. to hear. Um, but yeah, so um, talking more about just the business itself. So the building is so beautiful. And then you have chickens there as well. Yeah, right. Not right, right now, but I normally, still, yes, we have chickens. Because okay. yeah. I remember when we came, my daughter was very excited about the chickens. But I'm wondering how um, in this past year, how how has the um, the quarantine and, and the different shutdowns and things, how has that affected the business? Are you guys still doing okay? I know um, some businesses have really taken off virtually and doing like Zoom classes and stuff like that and those kinds of offerings and how is that how is that how is that working out for lady fingers are you guys doing okay yeah we're doing okay we have um just myself and my partner bill and then i have one of my other employees back just for one or two days a week but she does not work the sales floor it's just me right. uh, she can work upstairs in the classroom <clears throat> folding bundle making kits and things um but only when there's no class going on cuz i i'm just very nervous about people getting infected on my, on my time. Sure. I, I don't want anything to sure. happen to all my people. So it's, it's hectic uh, because I am the fabric land, you know, I do all the cutting, all the, the checkout and I wait on everyone. And Bill is more into the Bernina thing. So he runs the, mm-hmm. the dealership of, of Bernina sewing machines. He's also our tech. We do have a teacher who comes in and teaches small classes here. And that started back in July um, but during the beginning of the pandemic, we did everything curbside pickup and mail order. Fortunately, we have a rock and roll website and everything in the yes. store is also online. So thankfully, we were able to take care of people and all of the mask making and machine sales mm-hmm. and everything because we have a, a good website and we did curbs, you know, all the curbside pickup stuff and help people out however we could. So fortunately for us, our business is actually fine. It's just oh, hard. Because it's just the two of us. Because, and we're yeah. doing everything. Normally, I would have two full-time people in, in addition to myself and sometimes right. more. The, what, what did yeah. hurt us is the, the lack of quilt shows. So normally, we mm. then six or seven major national quilt shows a year. So that's hard mm-hmm. because that's just not going yeah. on. Um, and the, and normally we would have classes every day. 
at this place would be hopping. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. not something we can do in a big way right now because of social distancing. So we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. Lady Fingers is alive and well. Good. And uh, in, in due Good. time, when all this settles down and it will, um, we'll be, we'll be yeah. right back at it. So, but the, the number of sewers has really increased um, by leaps and bounds, people who haven't sewn in a long time, all of a sudden mm-hmm. needed to make masks. And yeah. so they made their quotient of masks and now it's like, well, gee, what else can I make? <laughs> so classroom instruction, virtual instruction via Zoom or whatever, however you do it, uh, Facebook Live events, that sort of thing has helped the business as well. So we do a number of virtual events and they're often sponsored by our major vendors. Um, So we, we, anybody from Bernina to, uh, there's a product that is sold now to help people cut fabric shapes for patchwork and applique, which is a big thing. And we do virtual events quite often with that. Um, So there's, there's ways, there's always ways to, to uh, to leave yourself open to those ideas. But now that we're open, open, um, people can just come in. They just have to wear a, a full face covering. Um, there's nothing like touching and feeling fabric in person to see the colors actually yeah. and not virtually. And so people are very, very happy to get out of the house <laughs> and come to yeah. you know, what you perceive as a safe place because we aren't a great big store. And so right. and get that personal attention um, and just mm-hmm. talk to another human being, you know, oh, is it, yeah. kind of a big thing. So we, we're, we're hanging in there. Thank you. But th- thanks to oh, these yeah. kinds of events where people might find out about us for the first time, which is yeah, great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was wondering if people are able to do virtual um, classes with you, because mm-hmm. I think that's something that even myself, I would love to do that. My daughter and I just went looking for skirts and we happened to be at Walmart because I was picking up things. For my son and it's just it's just awful there's just nothing and I was explaining mm-hmm. to her like it's very easy to make a simple skirt we could do it and I could even teach her she's eight and oh, I yeah. was just sort of remembering you know even though time is so constrained and we're very very busy and everything but it's so important mm-hmm. to take that time and teach especially at her age teach her these mm-hmm. kinds of different things to do um I know you're you're a grandmother right yes yeah four so four little ones mm-hmm. four how, how old is your eldest um grandchild she's 11 She's 11, uh, so have you taught her? Well, she, they would she be interested? Well, not lately because, you know, of COVID. Right, but, sure, but they sure. all learned to sew. They all made pillowcases. They, they've made nice. pillows. They've made little quilt blankety things, you know. So they oh, like that's to sew. So fun. They're very hands-on. They all paint. Yeah. They draw. They're very arty. So they're into that's it. They're awesome. also, right now, they're more into sports. But <laughs> but that's yeah. okay, too. So they're very active. And, and um, hats off to their parents because they really take good care of the kids and, and they're, they're adjusting quite nicely. So I'm really grateful. Yeah. I wish they lived a little closer. They're down in York County, but um, yeah. But uh, again, we, we see each other online and, you know, Facebook and all that that helps too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a tough time. It's a really tough time. My mom, we got her in our bubble. So we're really thankful and and happy to have her in our bubble, but it's very difficult time. So, um, I hear you. But I always feel like even if kids learn to be creative, very young in creative arts, even if they end up being more interested in, I don't know, engineering or or sports or something, they can always use that creative process right. to help solve problems. You know, it's very problem solving skills. 
Mm -hmm. You know, you have to make something look a certain way. You have to figure out the way to do that. And I think it's really neat because it's tactile learning and all the very, very good things. So Mm -hmm. they always talk about um, a lot of athletes will do knitting or ballet or something. You know, they're very creative arts to help them with focus too. So it's really Mm -hmm. cool. Um, I wanted to talk to you also about some of your other interests because we've been Facebook friends for a while and I follow you on Instagram and stuff. I think you're Mm -hmm. on Instagram, right? Well, sort of. I'm not too good okay. at it. Yeah, I'm there. Sometimes you have to just pick one and stick with it, right? I need to um, hire you to have you come over and teach me. What does that mean? I wanted to ask you about, you do a lot, garden, a lot of gardening and yeah. you're also into cycling. And I wanted to ask you about those things because my, my husband cycles in Oli Valley and it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just an it incredible is. place to cycle. And I wanted to ask you, um, when did you get into that and what's your favorite place to cycle? Oh, golly. Well, Bill, my partner, got me into that. And when we met in New York and um, I he lived in Jersey right near the George Washington Bridge and taught me how to ride out, out in the traffic and all that sort of thing. I hadn't ridden Ooh, in yeah. a, since I was a kid. So, yeah. so that was exciting. And um, so we would take big, long rides and I, I really enjoyed it. We, well, we were together. It was something we could do together. Right. Uh, He also taught me to do um, open water swimming. So that was, yeah. So that was a big thing too. So we were doing I don't know what this is. What is this? What is that? That means when you swim out in the lake and go from point A to point B and not, and know how to do that. Yeah. (laughs) With all the, that's incredible. The snapping turtles and things. So, oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) We learned to do that. So uh, when I brought him out to Oli, Mm-hmm. He he thought we were out in the middle of nowhere. He this gets yeah. he, the city boy. So this was yeah. this was very exciting. And he he just once he he saw where we could ride, everything mm-hmm. changed. So we rode yes. a lot. And in fact, he started a little uh, bike touring business called Gear Up Tours, which we no longer have. Oh, but wow! That we we actually hosted bike tours in the area down in Lancaster County in the Ole Valley, and then up up um, more in Bucks County. So that was a lot of fun. Um, we, we hosted quite a few tours. It was, it was okay. But then, you know, the shop, we decided to get into back into Bernina, which is the sewing machine brand. And, and so we closed up the gear up tours and, and started to grow lady fingers more. So he became uh, well-versed in sewing and I learned all the tech stuff in like five minutes because that's the way he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, where do we ride? We ride uh, all over. We c- the good news is we can ride right out the front door yeah. and, and go up Forgedale. We go out to Kutztown. We'll go out to Topton. We'll go up to uh, Emmaus. We'll go out to Green Lane. Um, we've gone up and over Hawk Mountain. That's a big ride. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, so we're, we we haven't ridden in the last few months too much at all because the, this this is taking every ounce of my being. Sure, <laughs> sure. With the shop, but uh, we're we're looking forward to spring. We're going to ride tomorrow because it's supposed to be really nice. Tomorrow. Oh, nice. So we we just go and do, we have little routes that'll do twenty two or thirty miles just right in the valley or yeah. right outskirts of val- the valley and around. And then if we feel ambitious, we'll you know we'll go out further. So and and it it mostly depends on how much time we have. Since the yeah. shop closed on Sunday and Monday, that's those are our two days off, and we we always try to ride then at least or early in the morning. And now that it's light out later, or we'll be yeah. soon that we can go in the evening. Yeah. So we we try to squeeze it in. So we probably ride the same place as your husband does. So, you know, probably he's still mm-hmm. kind of discovering routes, but he wants me to 
get out there and about there. And I'm like, I just don't know these, you know, it's very hilly around here and I'm just yeah. not at the same level. <laughs> like I need to find somewhere that's really flat. Yeah, but he's flat telling really. me always. Yeah. It gets, just, I need to, I'll need to get gear. Ask you guys later. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, well, first of all, I'm on a beach cruiser for the last 20 years, Gail. So it's not working too well. I can hardly get through Boyertown. Lots of gears. Yes, I need a, I need a bike with gears. It's something that I would really like to get into though, because I miss, uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I would go on a motorcycle once in a while. And I remember that feeling just being so connected to like where you are and what you're doing instead of being very passive in a car, you know, it's a very, very engaging experience to be on yes. a bike. Yes. whether it be a motorcycle or a bicycle, but then you get the added benefit of the health benefit of the bicycle. Um, so yep. it's something I'm very interested in doing, but he keeps trying to talk me into an e-bike so I can get up the hill. Oh, <laughs> just, they, they're, like, we don't have those, but um, you know, we still do all pedal power in our days. So I know. Like you try to go up Oysterdale. Oh, yeah. And like, yeah. <laughs> but um, I can't even imagine. Yeah. He goes up that really crazy hill. I, I don't even know what it's, it's back there on the way from Boyertown to Ole. And it has like yeah, a power line and you get shocked every time. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's it's wild riding, but he's he's um he's really, really loved that a lot. Um Good. so I want I wanted to ask you, oh, and also about gardening. Let's talk about gardening a little bit because I know you okay. garden as well. And uh, I loved your Pennsylvania Dutch. What did you call it? The um the breakfast sandwich <laughs> was so fun. Oh, the sauce nut? The uh yes. what do you call it? The the uh what, what was that the, the Oli Cristo <laughs> yeah, so funny yeah well we do things like that sometimes so it, it, we would, I, I haven't made my own Fosnots in a really long time but I'll never forget when Hilda Fisher brought two dozen over in the brown paper bag still warm one plain one sugar you know <laughs> yeah. and a recipe and somewhere I have her recipe but they were the best oh. ever so yeah, we love our Fosnuts. I make I make um, both kinds of pot pie, slippy and and the dumpling kind. You know, raised. Mm-hmm. Um, one's my my father's side like the raised pot pie, and my mom's side like the the slippy. So <laughs> so I make both, and and we do, I, I I do molasses cookies. I do you know all that stuff. Yeah, and, and yeah. I've, in the repertoire. Yeah, and I <laughs> I have pickled. Um, red beets and you know all kinds of stuff so I, I do all, I try to squeeze that in because it means a lot yeah. to me and it's yeah. um you know going and downstairs and grabbing a jar of sunshine is is a pretty cool thing so we we do a lot yeah. of that mm-hmm. yeah. and the, the soil here is so fantastic here in Ole it's the yeah. best soil in the United States or almost you know one of it's better than Lancaster yeah. County soil so it's it's easy to grow things here it, it really yeah, is. It's, and it's so beautiful. The landscape is just so amazing. If you haven't been to Oli, to my listeners, you absolutely must. It's like a destination. <laughs> I'm like, I, my friend actually interviewed me and he said, where's your like dream vacation? I said, like an Airbnb for the weekend in Oli. I'm dead serious. <laughs> I can help you that. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. He's like, no way. You probably really love Germany. I was like, no, no, really. I mean it. Like I love Oli so much, but it's neat too, Gail. Cause like, when you have family and roots for so long, like you as well do, um, it's just such a different experience for you to be in that land that it just feels very different. And I don't know, it's just, it's a very magical place. Um, I just adore it so much. I did want to ask you, um, as far as quilting goes, how would you say 
the advances in technology have benefited quilting. I'm sure there's a lot of amazing things you can do now, including yeah. I know for myself with my patterns for my thesis, I was able to get them printed on fabric, which is just crazy and mind boggling. Mm -hmm. uh, it was so easy and you didn't have to go through this whole long process and expense of it. But how would you say in the quilting world that technology has, has benefited quilting and the things that you can do? Well, the good news is you can be as old school or as innovative as you want. There's still people out there who cut and sew everything with a pair of scissors and a hand needle and thread. And, um, and that's great. And we, we sell those supplies as well. Um, but for, for, for technology, uh, like I was talking about earlier, the cutting system that we use for die cutting uh, squares and triangles and, and rectangles and, and all kinds of different shapes that keeps people quilting longer because to cut with a scissor or a rotary cutter, it, it can be painful if you're older, especially and you have arthritis or carpal tunnel, and you're still capable of sewing, but the cutting takes, first of all, takes a lot of time and cutting accurately yeah. can be difficult to do. So when there's tools out there to help you do that, it makes the quilt making process more fun. Um, the supplies now, the, the, that vast array of fabrics that are available <laughs> that were never available before. And now there's more fabrics out there than, than you can believe. Mm -hmm. And there are designers that are like rock stars. Uh, it's yeah. The, the, oh yeah. They're like, the people can't wait to see the new this or the new that. So we have departments in the store that are just one designer's fabrics. Well, it used to be mine, but, <laughs> but, so cool. but it's, it's <laughs> the people follow these people and then yeah. they follow them online and there's tutorials online, how to make the, the quilt du jour. And um, so the tools to make quilts are better than ever. The quality of the fabrics is just incredible right now. The, the quality wow. of thread, the tools that we use that are just um rulers and, and measuring devices and so forth make quilting really easy and fun because you're you're almost always going to have a hundred percent success rate if you just right. use, learn the tools which is easy to do. Um, the as far as quilting machinery, the, the the sewing machines cut the thread for you. They do all kinds of designs that are automated. So you can do machine embroidery that you push a button and and the machine does it itself. It's very robotic or it can be hand-guided if you like doing things hands-on. So you have your choice. It's not cheating to use a machine anymore. Sure. It used to be, no. you, you go down to Salem and you whipped out a rotary yeah, cutter right. and your wrist slap. <laughs> one time I brought in quarter-inch tape to, to quilt a straight line. I, I got sure. social in the room on that one, too. So. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. oh, trust me. Trust me. I know. Trust me. <laughs> that wasn't the way we do it now. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so the good news is there's, um, there's lots of, you can get as technical or as basic as you want to. And and that's yeah. the beauty of quilting today. It really is wonderful. So, mm-hmm. I'm very basic. I need to go Good. see. I need. I need to find a group that's like me, and I won't get shushed out of the room. <laughs> you that, was, <laughs> that was that was my experience too. And it's funny because I took Olive, my grandmother, Olive Fisher, to the circle while they were working on this quilt, and she sat down with with all the ladies. And there was this one older lady that I can't remember her name, but she was just she was such a hoot. But it was so funny to hear my my Olive did not she did not have a filter. So she gave me all the business and I was like, okay, thank you so much grandma. But um, yeah, she, she was funny. She never learned how to quilt, but they were big on embroidery. 
Uh-huh. Um, she embroidered a lot of things. And of course, when she was growing up in Oli at the high school and, and the junior high, they would do those things too in home ec, which right. is really, really cool. But I love mm-hmm. to hear that. So, I mean, I would, I'm definitely going to share in the show notes, all of the ways that people can access your store and also the Thank classes. You. But I personally, I need to do this. I need to learn how to quilt. I would love to do that. Um, so I'm interested. I can give you yeah, a little tip. Yes, so yeah. I teach on a platform called Craftsy, C-R-A-F-T-S-Y. And I yes. teach the basic beginners how to make a quilt class. That right. class has three quarters of a million students enrolled. And oh. you can take it for free. So you just go to Craftsy.com. And if you type Gail Kessler in the search bar, that class will pop up. And I guarantee you, you that you'll be able to make a quilt after you watch that class. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're believing in me. You're paying oh, it I forward. <laughs> I, I just, I, <laughs> I have a hard time. The little stitches are tough for me, but that's really exciting. I saw that on the in, on the information on the website, but I wasn't sure what it meant. Oh, that's very, mm-hmm. very cool. Um, so we'll definitely link that. And then also we'll link the website. And then how can people follow you on social media? Do you have any public accounts that we we can follow you yeah. at? Yes, we're on Ladyfinger Sewing um, is our Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel, Ladyfinger Sewing. Uh, So there's informational videos that we post there as far. And also uh, there's a couple of shop tours, which are worth watching. So you can see what Ladyfingers looks like inside and out. Um, We do have some short instructional videos there too. So it's good to subscribe to to our YouTube channel. That's a really good place to hang out. I also do unboxing videos. So when a new collection Ooh. of fabric arrives, I, I <laughs> open the box and we reveal what's in. They're extremely popular. That took me by surprise. They're but so satisfying too they, to they watch. Come, people come in the shop with their phone on watching me on the video <laughs> so they can remember what fabric they wanted to get, you know. So it's really kind so of fun. fun. I really enjoy that. So we, we do oh, that. Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's so, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Gail. That was, that has been so much fun or this has been so much fun. I wanted to ask you about what the heck do they call it? Uh, where you quilt something and you don't really follow a pattern. I'm totally blanking on what oh, it's called, but I was re- really free motion. What is it called? Free oh, motion. Yeah. Yes. I love yes. that stuff. Yes. That's so cool. That's a lot of fun because it. you're just using the, the needle. The needle's going up and down in one yes. place and you're pushing and pulling the quilt sandwich around to create a design. That's that takes a lot of skill. It takes practice. Mm. Some people pick it up like that. Some people, it takes a long time. Some people use rulers to put against the um, the, the needle. This well, actually, the presser foot to act as a guide. So that so there's oh. all different ways to quilt, and that means mm-hmm. fastening the layers, the the top, the backing, and the the puffy stuff, which is called the batting of a quilt together. That quilting, that free motion quilting, is what holds the quilt sandwich together. And there's many, many different ways to achieve that you can stitch by hand okay mm-hmm. and bleed all over the quilt like I did when I was seven <laughs> or you, can, you can do free motion like you you, you think you might want to do you like to doodle if you like to doodle you'll end up being a really good free motion quilter usually or you can oh, use okay. help, meaning a, um, a rulers or a stencil to follow um, and then you can also have programmed quilt motifs that are automated. So you can push a button on your quilting, when you're actually in your embroidery module of your of your sewing machine or on a long arm machine, which is a big machine that you drive like this, which is really fun. Oh, wow. That, that designs on it. Mm-hmm. 
That's so cool. Do you have any advice? Um, I have an old quilt. So the one quilt that we worked on at Salem was not in bad shape at all, but it just needed to be finished. But then I have an old quilt that's actually very tattered. And mm-hmm. it's something that I'm sure a lot of people sort of are in the same boat where they have this family heirloom and they want to restore it so that it can be not necessarily used functionally, but at least displayed and be part partly the person that made it and then partly mm-hmm. your work. Um, mm-hmm. Is it possible to sew like applique on top of old fabrics? Yes. Like, what would you recommend for people in that situation that are interested in in getting into quilting as a form of restoring something that's a family heirloom that might not have um, aged so well. Right. So before they jump right on great grandma's quilt, yeah, <laughs> never made a quilt before. I'm not sure I would recommend that. I would learn yeah. the quilt first so that you understand how this all works. Yeah. It really depends on the, the old quilt and what kind of condition gotcha. it's in. If you're talking about major dry rot, there's there's not much you can do if it's right. just tattered pieces where the kitty cat got up on the bed and scratched a couple of triangles out they can usually be patched up pretty easily um, in the case of something like what is called a crazy quilt which were the victorian era velvet and silk yeah. quilts that were very random and lots and lots of hand embroidery on them if yeah. the, if the silk was weighted, i know they're fun if the <laughs> silk was weighted silk meaning treated with arsenic those mm. are just falling apart. There's no saving them. The silk is actually sure. being destroyed by the chemicals of the of mm. the arsenic that they used back in those days. So um, crazy quilts, although around here back then, were done with remnants from the mills. So they weren't always silk. They were often rayon right. or something else that was shiny. And and uh, whoever worked at the factory would pick up scraps and they made a lot of crazy quilts out of that. So they're yeah. fine. They're pretty bulletproof. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, you can restore an old quilt. There are people who restore quilts who are mm-hmm. experts in the field. I am not. I, I, mm-hmm. I can I can restore them, but I'm not about to. <laughs> yes, right. About. <laughs> but it really depends on the particular quilt and what kind of shape it's in. One thing right. you can do is get some um, tool, which is a very fine yeah. mesh uh, that you can see through, and just lay that over the whole thing. And tack it yeah. down. So that way, if it's a smaller wall hanging size that you want to hang up on the wall, you can do that. Right. One thing about old textiles, though, and new textiles, is they will fade in sunlight. So one needs mm-hmm. to be careful if it's great-grandma's heirloom quilt. You don't want to have that yeah. in the sunroom <laughs> or it'll fade yeah. out yeah. in a matter of weeks. So people have to be careful about things like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way with um, one yeah. of the dresses that I made uh, mm-hmm. with the Spoonflower Fabric, which is the company that can yes. print your design. Um, mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it can take all the washing in the world, but it can't take the sun. <laughs> no, it cannot take the sun. Not at all. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh well. well, that's so <laughs> awesome. Gail, thank you so much for sitting down with me. This was so much fun. And it was so oh. nice to get to know you better and learn the story of Lady Fingers. And definitely can't wait to get over there. I'll have to come over soon. Um, my my eldest daughter's really into sewing, so we'll have to come oh, and buy cool. some really fun stuff. Wonderful. Yeah, we'd love to have you. And thanks so much and for can, having me. This is great. Oh, no problem at all. You guys have always been so personable and so helpful, and we just love coming in there. And I have so many friends. I told my friend Sarah that I was – she actually had this really cool – Um, it was almost like a double rosette pattern, really large. And she said, oh, yeah, uh-huh. I got it Lady Fingers. And she said, yeah, I took a class and Gail's amazing. And I told her I was going to interview you. She was so excited. So you're a wonderful person in our community and we all love you mm-hmm. so much. And Thank Bill you. as well. And, and the whole shop, the whole experience is great. So if you haven't been over, get over there and check it out. 
And thank you so much for your time, Gail, and for all the thank gifts you. you've given our community too. I mean, this is, it's an incredible shop. Thanks. I'm thank glad you you're doing well. well. Thank you. you got take it. Care. Stay in yeah. touch and take care. Bye, Mom. Okay. Good. <laughs> I say it better than me. I can't. I only do the accent, not the actual language. Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> it is, well, I can't do with the accent, so I just I call myself an Oli Valley Valley girl because it just sounds like a Valley girl trying to. I like that. Things. That's good. I love it. Right. Right. Oh, All thank right. You. Take, care. take care. Bye. Bye.